podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Raquelme's corner in towards the six-yard box. Decent delivery again from the Spaniard, but headed clear. Raquelme lost another one back in. Out comes Foster. Lord Kelly back towards goal yes. and turned in from close range. And Chris Beffham has got the equaliser. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and we were going to call this show Room 101, but thanks to Chris Meppham in the last minute, we've scratched that and it's now concentrating on our unbeaten run because Cherries are seven undefeated and I think, according to Jeff, it's a record that if we go unbeaten against Bristol City, I mean, hopefully we'll beat them. We will then have the best start to a league campaign in terms of not being beaten. That's to be confirmed. But it was an overcast day at Vicarage Road and the grey clouds, well, they seem to be hanging over the Cherry's ability to be clinical in front of goal. But thanks to that last gasp effort from Chris Meppham, we emerged with a point. And on this podcast, we go over that one-all draw with the help of Jeff Hayward. Now, this week, we also lost an AFC Bournemouth stalwart and they're sort of leaving in drips and drabs. But Charlie Daniels was the next to go as he joined Shrewsbury. We've got reaction from Tom Jordan. One of the Fab Four is only left, by the way, of Steve Cook. But what a guy Charlie Daniels was. And we hear the best of Tom's comments about Charlie Daniels' time with the Cherries. Plus, after that draw with Watford, we get your fans' thoughts as well. We did a free-for-all at full-time, and it was really great to hear some very opinionated views. And check out what Kirk Tovey said, because he wasn't best pleased with how things were. But we did end on a positive, so all's good with that. Plus, on Wednesday, of course, Cherries are back at home. For a couple of games in a row, we've got Bristol City on Wednesday as I said and then on the Saturday it's the arrival of Derby County Wayne Rooney Jordan Ive in fact so myself and Jeff are going to be previewing that too but first it's time for this Okay, so this is a fairly easy one for you, I would say. And if you're watching the game on Sky Sports of the weekend, you'll you'll know the answer if you were listening closely to what the commentator said. But can you tell us how many games out of our last seven at Vicarage Road against Watford have been draws? It's as simple as that. How many games out of our last seven matches at Vicarage Road against Watford have been draws? The answer will come at the end of the show. So, before we get started dissecting that match against Watford with Jeff, firstly, we're going to bring you some fans' thoughts. Now, the show this week, the free-for-all, was sponsored by the amazing Seven Squared. They're lifelong gamers and professional designers who, a couple of years ago, thought it might be a cool idea to work with some of the original video game developers and keep alive the names of some of the world's favourite retro games. 
via limited edition t-shirts. Some you might remember, some you might not, but they all hold a place in video game history. The team at Seven Squared are retro gaming through and through, and one of them is an AFCB fan who some of you might know, but every game they design for is representative of their own journey, playing some of the greatest video games on their own or with friends. At the moment, you might need to be of a certain vintage to know them all, but I tell you what, you've got to check them out. They're on a t-shirt journey with some of the best loved retro game brands we're talking worms we're talking sensible soccer we're talking california games check out their website it's at seven square.red so i'm going to read this to you seven s-e-v-e-n s-q-u-a dot red that's s-e-v-e-n s-q-u-a dot red and if you want to get your christmas list off to a flyer use code b-o-t-n at the checkout and get 20% off all tees until midnight on Sunday. They also have further inspiration for the fact they want to make a difference to everyone who loves video games through mental health. They teamed up with the video game mental health charity Safe in Our World, safeinourworld.org, and every tee sold contributes in part to their evolving work that is seven square dot red and use code botn right let's get these fans thoughts yeah i mean let's get the positives out if, if there are any that um we've been bailed out today by our goalkeeper and um, our welsh center back has has got us a, a draw um, and we've got away with one just like we did against qpr i think that's as far as i'm going to take it um there were part, parts of the performance that i think we can be okay with the more concerns I have is that there was areas in the game that I'm concerned that run deeper than just a football match and actually uh, what we're going to need to deal with throughout the season well you're renowned for doing your five word match reports I'm going to give you five key points that we're going to need to deal with moving forward if we're going to dominate this league and do well so I felt for two and a half minutes we were brilliant on the front foot um, and looking really positive. Then Lloyd Kelly made a really poor challenge. And I felt like that up and sort of unsettled the team, um, knowing that he was on a yellow card after a couple of minutes. The Jeff Lerma going off as well. I felt like the team were unsettled by that a little bit as well, because he's such a big player for us. They had one dynamic technique that they wanted to work with today, and that was a quick transition from the back to their most creative player which was Saar and I think we didn't nullify that at all and the amount of times he got isolated was just ridiculous and obviously it led to their first goal Um, our final product in the final third was poor the amount of crosses that we didn't clear the first man or I'm going to start calling Rico hang time Rico soon because the amount of times he stuck the ball in the air for Ben Foster I mean it doesn't even need to be Ben Foster any goalkeeper that's just they you know that's just they're, they're, that's what they do for a living um, when we do get the ball into decent areas and we do cross the ball we then highlight the area that's getting very boring now is that we don't have a natural goal scorer Okay, so when I'm talking about a natural goal scorer you're saying if you put a striker in a position five times they score four out of five we don't have one of them and we're not creating chances that are decent five times. We are creating one. That's where our problem's going to lie. And I think January is going to be a big, big part of our season because I can see us trying to get someone in that can, can win us football matches like, like a, a clinical striker could have done today. Uh, I thought that was all right. Um, we weren't great up front, but I've got to give you, you've got to give uh, Watford. They are really, really good defensively and good on the t- counter. So, and that's half of Udinese's playing for him. So let's not 
you know, I thought it was a decent point today. Um, I, that, yeah, uh, Billy had a decent game, actually. Um, I think he would have been a, a bit more defensively solid than, than Gosser in that role. So he gave us something in the, in the middle. And Kingy just looked ring-rusted to be honest so we, we've got to give the, the lad a chance and uh, let him have a few games to settle in and get his fitness match fitness up uh, and, and then see what we could do and Raquel May actually I thought he looked lively when he came on a bit slow on his first pass but yeah he was he, he looks a prospect actually we need to play, get him a, a few more minutes and see what he can do because we haven't really seen him yet so no it, I, I, I was quite um, I thought it was a decent performance um, I think it's definitely a point gained um, against a very, very good Watford side, very well organised. Um, and I think we're not going to have too many harder opponents than Watford this season. So to get a point out of it was really good. I thought defensively we were decent. We got uh, the goal they scored. Not a lot we could have d- uh, done about that. I thought it was a really good goal. Um, and obviously at the end, scenes, you love to see it. Love the opinions there. Thank you to everyone that came on. But the person who we really want to hear. <laughs> Here he is. Here's Jeff Hayward. Jeff, how are you today, sir? Fine, yeah. I feel pretty good, actually, Sam. It was a one-all that um, that came as a bonus, really, given the fact that for the majority of the game, we were 1-0 down. But how have your feelings been over most of Saturday afternoon and Sunday? Um, after 94 minutes, I wasn't feeling great watching yesterday consigned to and I never thought we were going to score honestly watching that game uh we didn't make Foster work hard enough through the game and I couldn't see us doing that in the minute and a half that remained but we pop up with a a last minute equaliser and actually it felt a bit of a bonus point felt a bit like you know we we got a win and we deserve to get a point the way we played I thought was good the approach for it was good Watford was solid defensively but we deserved a, a draw I think that when you listen to what many Watford fans are saying, I took a brief listen to the From the Rookery End podcast, which came out on Sunday morning. Do recommend you check that out, by the way. It's an excellent Watford podcast with The Athletic. Uh, Obviously, they felt very aggrieved and there were a number of situations in the game that maybe they should have benefited from where they didn't in terms of refereeing decisions. But I'm sure we'll come to that. And then that last minute goal, I think, was an absolute choker for them. But anyway, let's wind back to half past 11 when the teams were announced. And I've got to say, I wasn't unhappy with that team at all. And it was what many of us actually predicted. So the 3-5-2 billing coming in to regain a little bit of control. And then it was Dan Juma that supported King up front. How did you feel when you saw that? Yeah, it was the team that I thought was um, was the right team to pick. You know, there, there's obviously a little bit of rotation that's got to go on because of the schedule. Um, great to see Lloyd Kelly back in the side after a, a few weeks out. And Adam Adam Smith obviously had that last minute collision on Wednesday night, so no surprise that he was rested. Um, and Billing coming in for for Gosling, I thought made made sense again. Gosling, you know, ran his heart out on on Wednesday night, so it, it made sense to me. I, I thought Dan Juman King against Solanke, you know, needed a break. I thought so. Yeah, looked looked a pretty solid lineup, and I was pretty happy with that. I don't suppose you know anything about David Brooks and how far he's back from coming back, because a lot of us expected him to be thrown in, but not the case. Expected him to be on the bench at least. Um, JT is talking about him training, which is positive. 
I think he ought to be on the bench for the next couple of games at least. So, yeah, great to have Josh in the side who, again, you know, we, we all speculate about whether he, he's going to be another Fraser, but um, JT's been really super positive about him. The Sky commentary yesterday, they were talking about him, you know, throwing himself into training. Great. Um, and he certainly seemed pleased with the last-minute goal that we scored. So that was encouraging to see. So, yeah, you know, as a side, I thought that was good, um, right team to pick, and um, yeah, felt pretty confident going into the game. Uh, shall we give a mention to Josh King's hair, or do we want to skip over this part? Skip over it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, yeah, the team I was relatively happy with, and as you say, most of us had it in mind, three in midfield to pack it out and try to regain some control over very talented, but underrated players like Cleverly. I think the firepower of King up front and the creativity of Dan Juma was going to be a combination that might spark a lot of interest. And it was good to see Rico as left wing back as well. Obviously, we know that he's got a lot of energy, a lot of pace and crossing prowess, although to be fair, we didn't really see it yesterday. And also we know what Jack Stacey can do on the other side as well. And Kelly came in to deal with the pace of Saar. And on paper, I think it did look like a good pick. And for the first few minutes, I thought Bournemouth started high intensity and we started really well, didn't we? We did. We, we were moving the ball really well. Uh, we were looking threatening. Stacey down that right-hand side looked a threat. And um, it it felt good. I mean, I, 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 think, um, I think Watford set up in a similar way to how we're going to face a lot of teams this season. And they're going to play quite deep against us defensively, try to frustrate us and hit us on the break. And I think that's what they were trying to do. But we were we were looking confident. Mm, we were. But then, not so long after our brief spell for about three minutes or so, uh, Lloyd Kelly goes in with a reckless challenge on Saar. And he should have been off the pitch, really, mm. shouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, with VAR, that's a red card. Without it. He got away with it, and I don't think it was necessarily malicious. The ball was there to be won. He mistimed his challenge, and I think it showed that he'd been out for four weeks. It was a bit rusty, uh, mistimed the challenge, but, yeah, lucky to only get a yellow for that. And I think that rustiness was also a factor in their goal. Um, You know, he's, he's... He's playing with Rico in that wing-back role. Neither of them, I think, really picked up Saar. And, OK, you know, Cathcart hits a smashing pass, you know, cross-field pass, which you don't expect the centre-half to hit. Um, but they were both on, they were both out of position when that, when that cross came in. They, you know, they should have been tighter to him and stopped the cross, and they weren't. Yeah, it was a it was a fantastic goal by Preacher who um, stretched at the far post and put it past Asmir Begovic, and that was then one 0 up. But I think that challenge early on it it almost set a precedent. I mean, the rivalry with Watford, the rivalry has died down quite a bit from what it used to be. It's mainly an online thing, but there were some meaty exchanges. But I think that's mm-hmm. just because of the fact that there are two teams that have got relegated that are both vying for whoever won that would have been uh, you know second in the league at the end of the day. Uh, but I found that there was a, you know, based off of that, there was also a positive energy as well. There was a nice ebb and flow to the early stages. You know, maybe take that Lloyd Kelly challenge out of the equation. I thought it was a, a quite absorbing game for the neutral. 
Yeah, and and that feistiness is definitely because I think we know Watford really well. There's that edge because we we're we're looking at them as uh, probably one of the big rivals in the division. And they look at us in exactly the same way, I'm sure, particularly the squad. I mean, you look at that squad they've got. OK, they've they've lost uh, Decore, but they've still got Foster, Cathcart, uh, Chalabar's a really good player. Cleverly's a really good player. Mm. And Saar is an excellent player to have in that team. So they've got a strong spine to that side. Um, and that's been augmented by a couple of new players. You know, the kind of Udinese effect. You know, they're, they're not weak at all. They're a pretty decent side. So... There is that rivalry. I would also say another tactic that I think teams are going to put against us this season is uh, when are we most dangerous? We're dangerous when we get into a rhythm of passing, when we're playing a fluid, flowing game of football. And I think it's a deliberate tactic from other sides to get niggly with us, to break up the play, you know, to... to uh, roll over when they're touched, dare I say it. You know, we saw a lot of that in the Middlesbrough game and I saw quite a bit of that yesterday as well. You know, like the referee was like, come on, ref, you got, they're just, they're falling over and you're giving free kicks all the flipping time, um, which which frustrates the players. And I think teams know that gets under our skin because it stops us playing and gets us a bit kind of edgy. So we've got to be careful about that and, and try and try and rise above it if it's all possible. I think the intensity, it's good to see that we can play with intensity because quite often it's like we play in second or third gear. And despite the fact there's no fans there, there was that intensity. And, you know, Lloyd Kelly set the precedent. And then, you know, even for Watford, I mean, Watford and Bournemouth, we've always had this kind of yin and yang. Like we look at it from our own perspectives and we look at the opposition and think they're cheating. They're going down easily. They're diving, whatever. They're fouling. But then we had Lloyd Kelly and, you know, Garner, apparently, you know, a lot of Bournemouth fans on Twitter saying that he, he seemed to be a lucky boy. Yeah, he got carded and um, got away with a couple of potential second bookings. I mean, they weren't terrible fouls, but they were they were enough of them where you, where you think the cumulative effect of what he was doing could have got him set up. And, and, the, and the manager recognised that at half-time because he got subbed. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was good to see um, that type of football, and it was um, it was a it was a really good game to watch, even you know despite the scoreline. Now, one of the players that is known for his shithousery is Jefferson Lerma, and mm. he overstretched. We don't know how bad it is, but uh, he came off, and then Dom Solanke went up front. Uh, with well, I mean, it became a three-four-three, didn't it? With uh, Dan Juma, uh, Solanke, and Josh King, and was that a surprising decision that you thought Jason Tindall made? Because it, you know, it could have been easy to bring someone like Dan Gosling on. It was a bold move because it wasn't a like-for-like replacement. It meant a change of system. Um, after twelve minutes, he'd obviously thought, well, we're we're a goal down. So eighteen minutes, that injury happens. Um, you know the. It's just one of those things. He's played a lot of games in the last couple of weeks and he stretched for a ball, tweaked the hamstring. Hopefully it's not that serious. But but yeah, uh, I was expecting it to be Gosling. I was quite surprised to see Solanke. But, you know, I think that boldness and bravery was the right call because even the way that Watford started the game, you knew they were going to continue it and play deeper even, you know, yeah. even more defensively because they had a lead to protect. How many games have they won? 1-0 this season, three already. So... You know that's that's the way they play, and so putting another striker on, I think, was 
brave move, but the correct move. And um, and yeah, I, I, a slight change of shape, but it, it, we were we were still dominating the game. It, it didn't seem to affect us losing losing Jeff. No, the possession stats show that. I mean, uh, what was it? We had 62% possession as opposed to their 38. But when you look at the shots versus shots on target, we had 14 shots, five of which were on target. They had nine shots, five of which were on target, which suggests that they're more clinical in those situations. And I felt that the lack of clinicality, I've said that word before and I don't even know if it is one, um, up front and in the attacking third, was poor from us, and the 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 final ball, the quality just wasn't there. I, I mean, there was a there was a great counter attack actually. This was this was even before they scored, um, and Watford got a corner, and I think it was Billing at the near post who headed it away. And I think there was a subsequent run from either Cook or Dan Juma, but they were running the full length of the pitch, and then the final pass to Lerma just sort of ran behind him. Now, there were also times where Jack Stacey was on the right-hand side. They were finding him. I felt as though they sometimes should have found him a little bit quicker than what they did. But when they did, his final ball into the box was was usually behind the on-running um, on Solanke. And that stopped things. Watford had men, sometimes three men behind Solanke, so that he was turning into trouble. And often he'd have to lay it back, as we saw by King, who had a shot. That was uh, later on in the in the second half, I think. But it just seemed that every time we were in a promising position, the the, the final ball wasn't there. Yeah, there's still work to do. I think that 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 decision making in the final third ain't quite right at the moment. We saw it on Wednesday against Cardiff as well. The the um, you're you're absolutely right to pick out. I think Dan Juma and Stacey. Dan Juma is great when he's um, he gives us something unexpected going forwards, but I think he's also a little bit selfish when he ought to be passing. You know, there were a number of times he just ignores that overlap that Rico is making, and you think get get him the ball because he's got a crossing opportunity. Ditto Stacey. I think when he's sometimes getting ignored, but then when they do get the ball, I mean Rico and Stacey yesterday, the number of times that. Their delivery into the box just wasn't good enough. So it's a real issue for us. And then you think, well, what about what about the attacking midfield players as well? And, and I I mean Lewis Cook, you know, he needs to hit the he needs to hit a 20 yarder on target to get the keeper to make a save because at the moment when the ball falls to him like that, as it did yesterday in that first half, you know, geez, Rosette's in trouble more than the goalkeeper, you know, and it's yeah. we're we're lacking a little bit of self-belief in that final third you know when we and I, I can't explain it um because there are goals in this team the the passing and the interplay is getting much better but yet yeah, it seems to fall apart when it gets important um mm. i think mm. I, I think you're right now i i think it's almost like a game of chess where I mean, you could see that Watford were lined up their banks of uh, defenders and midfielders. And to be fair, they were resilient and I thought they were very well organised and very well drilled. So a lot of the times we were playing the ball from left to right in front of them. And it was almost a case of we were just looking for gaps. And sometimes we would almost lose patience and play a through ball to the on-running King or maybe Dan Juma. And, you know, 50% of the time we would retain possession and that's four players that we've subsequently beat so we can push on. 
However, sometimes we lost possession. It was just like, you know, we've done all that passing. And at times it, it felt ponderous. Um, and I've got to say, though, that one of the players that has been much maligned, Philip Billing, I thought he had a pretty good game because in terms of possession, he, he didn't actually seem to lose it much yesterday. Yeah, I thought Billing was good. He, he sprayed a couple of decent passes as well. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a... There's a, a mental thing going on about do we do we go for the jugular when we're not quite set up as an attacking force or do we just hold possession because that's more important? And I, I'd like to see more of that. Just go for it. Take a few more risks. And um, you're right. Sometimes, you know, we beat a player and you you think oh, yeah we've got a chance now because they we're through that that sort of midfield area and then we turn turn back to hold possession and let them get back into shape again you have to do it all again and it's mm. i'm not quite sure whether where that where that speed has gone that speed of thought speed of attack i mean if you go back a couple of seasons you remember when we beat Watford at Vicarage Road a couple of seasons ago and we killed them on the break yeah what was it 4 4 0 4 1 that game yeah 4 0 yeah you know, and 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 that that sort of speed of thought seems to have gone a little bit, as well as that kind of risk taking. Um, we we need to play a bit more like that. I, I don't think I, I I see a sort of progression. I think we're getting a bit better, mm. but it would be nice to see a bit more of that. You're right. You know, sometimes we do have to go for the jugular. And I'm thinking in my head of the 5-0 at Brighton, the goals that we scored there on the counter-attack. Um, and also that 4-0, as you say now, uh, you know, some of the goals in that game were absolutely brilliant. And, you know, you notice that no one ever stopped the ball and then they cut inside. They just went for it. And frustrations like those are sometimes what I have with every so often with Adam Smith. Had them with Jordan Ibe all the time, whereby we would look as though we were in a really good and promising position, and then all of a sudden he'd stop, wait, and by that time there's three other players that have run back, and there's three more players to beat if we want to score. Dan Juma, I found, has done that a few times. Now, when he's been more successful, that goal against West Ham in the Betway Cup, he started nearly on the halfway line, just went for it. The goal he scored against Brentford, yes, he did cut back onto his right foot, but there was purpose there with it. And within a couple of touches, the ball's in the top corner of the net. And I find that when we do stop like that, you know, it does break up. And when you've got the defensive quality of Watford, I I, I honestly thought that it was going to finish 1-0. And it was going to be one of those games that felt like there was another goal in it. But I didn't ever think it was going to come. And not least because the shots that we did have were straight down the throat of Ben Foster and Dom Solanke, fair play. He got into a great position on 30 minutes. He made room for a shot. He, he put it onto his right foot, but he curled the shot round yeah. the corner directly down the throat of Ben Foster, as I said, and Kirk Tovey said on the free for all, which is watchable on YouTube, that seasoned strikers, experienced strikers, decent strikers would be finding the corner in those situations. I mean, fair enough, he perhaps couldn't see the goal as, as well as he might have because he did have a few defenders in his way and he, he almost swung his right foot round it not knowing where Ben Foster was. But you've got to be finding the corners and that, and that really was quite a clear-cut chance. Yeah, the, the Solanke debate, I mean, I've seen a lot of it recently where people are saying, you know, he's not a natural goal scorer. He got 50 flipping goals in the youth team at Chelsea, didn't he, one season? Mm, yeah. He's a goal scorer. I think what's clear is that 
it reminds me a bit of when Tammy Abraham played for Swansea in the Championship. You know, you thought he's got a lot of promise, but he's never going to score goals. And yet now you look at Tammy Abraham, you think, actually, he's a quality finisher. And he's, he's scored some great goals in the Premier League last season. He's been scored some great goals for Chelsea since he since he got in the first team. So I think we've got to be a little bit patient with him. You know, that, that effort that he had yesterday, there were two there were two that stood out for me. That, uh, that first half one that you say, I mean, hitting it into the corner like Dan Juma did against uh, Blackburn is, you know, that takes some that takes some skill. That's what you wanted him to do. That's what he was trying to do. Hits it straight in the middle of the goal. You know, got it wrong. Okay, you can see what he was trying to do. Didn't work. The second half effort where he takes it onto his left, and, and you know, it was a nice height for the keeper. Okay, picking holes that needs to be on the deck. Really make it really tough for the keeper and in the corner. And you might score actually with that one, but he created the space for himself to get the shot off. That's better. Yeah, and this is what I'm liking. You know, uh, you know about Dom Solanke is that he's creating chances, and it felt like even Callum Wilson wasn't even creating the chances during lockdown. So he's at least getting and manufacturing the positions by getting in the right positions. And you know, one time where he didn't make it himself was on 44 minutes just before half time. Enrico Cross and it, it almost hit his shoulder and. It was a clear opportunity with his head and, you know, should have notched. I think Josh King might have scored that, but then yeah. Josh King, because he missed a header that perhaps he should have done better within the second half. So oh, yeah. all over the pitch, we just yeah. don't seem to be clinical. And again, you know, slight mistiming of the header, you know, that, that does happen where, you, where you, you get it wrong and it comes off your shoulder. You know, OK, let's be patient. I think he's getting the chances it will come against there are going to be weaker defences in the championship than Watford yesterday. And I think we'll get clearer sights of goal. I think he was unlucky not to score a hat-trick on Wednesday night. You know, arguably he should have finished if uh, he, he should have finished with three. The keeper makes a blinding save and he misses a header for the in that game as well. So, you know, it's not quite clicking for him yet. He's getting the chances. I think actually it probably helps him playing up front with somebody else like King. You know, so he's not having to do everything because I don't think he's a channel runner particularly, whereas Josh did a lot of that yesterday and I thought that was helpful for us. Um, and, yeah, you know, you kind of feel we've got to score more goals. Yesterday was better. And if you look at the progression, Cardiff was better than QPR. We're going to be playing against deep defences. We'll probably face that again against Bristol City, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So creating the chances is getting better got a flipping finish now. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. on the plus side, I do feel as though we're not far away from absolutely hammering a side. I really feel as though that is just around the corner. And ideally that would happen against Bristol City on, on Wednesday night. Who knows? But it's a player that we haven't really mentioned yet and someone that uh, you know kept us in the game. And that's Asmir Begovic. And as the second half started, it was a really good save from Saar. There's the ball over the top. Caught uh, Jack Stacey and Steve Cook really flat-footed and almost two square on. Saar was just in that gap and it was a powerful shot. And I'll tell you what, as strong right arm saves go, that was a really good save from Asmir, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant save. I think Begovic has been um, um, a bit of a revelation, really. You know, the fact that JT's got confidence and has picked him, he's repaying that confidence, playing well, looking solid, exactly what, what we want him to be. And I think that's given the defenders a bit more confidence that when they do make a mistake, you know, he's, he's on it at the moment. And that's that's terrific. 
Yeah, it really is. So as we've mentioned before, yeah, King blazed over the bar where we got into that promising position. Jack Stacey played it again behind the striker. So Solanke had men behind him, laid it back. Uh, King blazed over. And then, yeah, Solanke um, having another effort, as you say, which uh, Ben Foster saved as well. And then there was a moment on... 65 minutes or so where Lewis Cook, uh, he wins the ball from a corner and he marauds up the pitch and he sets Dom Solanke free, who runs for about 15 yards before a deflected shot goes wide. And in that situation, I honestly feel as though Dom has got the confidence and the skill and the technique to actually beat his marker because he was he was running from the kind of left-hand side. Usually what I've seen him do before, he sort of feigns to go right, but then he goes left around his marker and then he can get through on goal. But he didn't do that. And sometimes I just want to see Dom run at people. We saw what he can do against Leicester. He started in a very deep position, ran towards goal, ended up scoring, albeit maybe Kasper Schmeichel should have done a little bit better. But he did get a shot away, to be fair. It was a deflected wide you know, why is he not doing that against Watford? He's a confidence player, isn't he? Seems to be a confidence player. I think I think it's he's quite frustrating to watch at the moment. He, you know, he's getting into good positions. He's doing some good things. Uh, just, just, just not going for him. I mean, when he hit that one that was deflected, I thought that's going in. You know, watching it on the screen, I thought. That's that's going in, and then to see it just go wide, you just think, oh, you know, yeah. it's just not happening for him. Um, Josh King, I think, was a bit rusty alongside him as well. You know, like that header that he had in the second half, and the shot that you mentioned where he blazed over the bar. Where you know Dom is great at doing that setup. You know, getting the ball in congestion in the box, laying it back. You know, that's that's created two goals for Lerm already this season. That sort of play, and Josh has got to hit the target from there. But he's a little bit rusty. Yeah, it it was one of those one of those games when you were watching it, thinking it ain't going to happen for us today, um, which made the final couple of minutes all the more surprising. Yeah, and you know what, we're we're in danger on the podcast, on the free for all, every show that we do, we're always talking about Solanke in it, but we know how good he can be. And we know he's he's got the capability of being a a good player for us, and I'm certain you know, certainly more than someone like Jordan Ibe, I think he will be able to deliver for Bournemouth this season, especially. Um, so, you know, it is taking a bit more time, but it's not a, you know, this is not an anti-Dom uh, Solanke bashing exercise or anything like that. We're not doing that because we know what talent he's got. And it's more the frustration, really. And I would like to see Jason Tindall stick with him um, yeah. because he, as you say, what he doesn't offer in being clinical up front, he offers in holding the ball up and, you know, supplying people like Jeff Lerma with a couple of goals. And I think, you know, he's he's a young player with a lot to learn and Josh King can hopefully be, um, you know, somewhat of a teacher up front for him. Um, now, later on in the game, we replaced uh, Dan Juma, who I think was fairly ineffective, and Junior Stanislas came on. Um, but still... The crosses into the box. They were loopy. Josh King, find, he found room, hung a loopy cross up into the air. Rico's crosses were loopy. And when they haven't got that pace and the power, it means that players have got to generate their own power. And Josh King had a chance where he had to generate his own, but just couldn't quite get, get his neck muscles right 
And Ben Foster, I think he just palmed it over the bar in the end, but I think I felt he should have been worked harder with that header. Yeah, and I think, you know, we can we can put a lot of emphasis on players like Solanke not scoring, but actually the build-up play and that delivery into the box, you know, we've got to get better at it. The play, I think what's frustrating is that we know the players are better at it. Yesterday, I mean, I love Rico, right? I think he's a great player, but he was so frustrating yesterday. You know, it's like he's forgotten how to hit the ball in with pace, or he's overhitting it, or it's too loopy. You know, a number of times the ball went in the box, and Foster was just like, "It's catching practice." You know, it's it's just not quite there from the build-up play. And Dan Juma, uh, it almost looks as though defenders have figured him out already. Because if you watched him yesterday, a number of times he gets the ball on that left-hand side, defenders are just standing on his right because they know he wants to cut in and curl it into the top corner. And he, he's got nowhere to go. You know, they, they channel him down that, that left-hand side. He can't cross with his left with any pace or precision. It's not the same threat. So we, we've got some work to do, I think. Some of our players have just got to be a, better at what we know they can do and think and be a bit more intelligent about how they play. So it looked like it was going to finish 1-0. Rakame and Raquel May came on for Rico, and that was almost the last throw of the dice. And, you know, to be fair, he was he was integral in the move that got us our equaliser, and it came from an unlikely source, Chris Mepham. The ball was half cleared from Watford after a corner, and it came back to Raquel May, who... Fair play. It was actually not bad. He sort of hit it on the half volley with his um, instep and, and curled it in. Dom Solanke went up with Ben Foster for the header. Foster could only punch out and found a man who probably shouldn't have been on the pitch. I'm not sure whether his shot was going in, but Chris Meppen made sure it did. Nice finish, I thought. You know, Meps, Meps does a, a really good job controlling it because they came at him with pace. It was sliced, you know, it was spinning. And, OK, you know, he's three yards out. He was He was bright enough to be on the right side of the two defenders. So he wasn't offside. And I thought he controlled that really, really nicely with a decent touch and fantastic. Uh, I punched the air because we deserved it and I didn't think it was coming. So great, great. It was good. And uh, yeah, I was, I was just setting up for the free for all on, um, on YouTube at that point in time. So I was just getting my lighting ready and I, I just assumed it was going to be a one nil. had the, had the script or the monologue almost, almost ready to go in my head. And then, you know, out of the window, Chris Mepham scores. And it's, it's amazing what that goal could actually do for mentality in the fact that we're still unbeaten. And what, you know, what do you think that can do for us psychologically? Well, we've got two home games now, so we've got to make the most of it. But I do think um, Watford away is likely to be one of the toughest, if not the toughest test that we're going to face. Um, so to get a point in that game. And I think what's interesting, I've talked a lot about how other teams are set up to play against us this season. Watford, one of the contenders you'd think for automatic promotion, set up like that from the start against us. Mm. What does that say? Okay, it's partly the, it's the way they play, but also I think it shows the huge respect that we're getting from other sides in the division that they're sort of treating us like they, the only way they're going to be, beat us is a one nil on the break sort of goal and then defend deep for eighty minutes, you know, and and that I think should fill us with a bit of confidence that teams are scared of us because even mm. after we scored yesterday for that final minute, Watford were terrified. You could see that they were panicking, thinking, geez, we could lose this. And it looked like we we had a bit of impetus and could do it. So I think the self-belief is going to be helped. I think we need to 
recognize that um, that if we are better, like you say, I think a, a, a decent win, two or three goals, four goals, even more, it's not far away. You know, keep the faith, keep patient. We we can win. We can win more games, definitely. And Chris Mappham scored, and I must admit, I did. I did look to think, oh no, VAR is it going to chalk it out or anything? But it doesn't matter, does it? I've still got that moment where I'm still war- not completely celebrating, but I'm sure. Um, I'm sure that will disappear and fade away. And when I see goals like that, I always like to look at what other player, how other players react and to see how emotionally invested they are in. Because it seems like when we've scored this season, I remember that Dom Solanke won against Middlesbrough, players just almost jogged to him to celebrate. And I, you know, I think the nature of it being a last minute equaliser and against our rivals or whatever, you could put it in inverted commas, but everyone seemed to be so excited, maybe not junior, but he's just so relaxed about everything anyway, but you could see the celebrations there. And it's a good point to take to the vitality when we face Bristol City. So, yet another draw with Bristol City. Uh, Bristol City? Watford, we're playing Bristol City on Wednesday. Later in the show, we're going to be doing the Bristol City preview. But, yeah, a draw against Watford. But how many draws have we got in our last seven? Stay tuned. That Do You Remember answer is coming at the end of the show. Right. Charlie Daniels, club legend. What a fella. He's gone to Shrewsbury. And earlier in the week, I chatted to Tom Jordan about our brilliant left-back. We kind of all were expecting Chaz to just kind of get back fit and then sign an extension to the end of the season, pretty much. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a surprise. I'm guessing potentially they've had a chat about it and he probably would be used as part of the squad and maybe said to Jason, you know, at my age and stuff like that, I want to be playing regularly, uh, which you can't blame him, you know, and I'm sure. I hope really, obviously, we'll probably never know fully, but I hope that it was kind of more Chaz's decision to play football because... Uh, He's been great for us. And uh, yeah, I think selfishly, we would have liked to have had him available if we needed him. But if he goes and plays, I mean, at League One level, if he stays fit, he's going to rip it up. So uh, amazing side of Shrewsbury. And I just hope he does well there, to be honest. He really isn't. You know, to me, I think he's still championship level. Uh, Mm. But he's joined Shrewsbury and yeah, he will do really well there. I was quite surprised given the fact that the club have been tweeting and basically tracking his progress for the last, you know, goodness knows how many months. So they've been mentioning Mark Pugh, not as much, but Charlie Daniels, of course, has played uh, for the under-21s a few times, scored, you know, ridiculous goals like that one uh, against Yeovil, I think it was. And, you know... It was a player that I honestly thought was going to come back. Maybe not be challenging someone like Rico or Adam Smith or whatever in that position, but I honestly thought he would be a good squad member to have. But yeah, that conversation's obviously happened and he's got hunger to desire and a desire to play football, hasn't he? Yeah, I think that's what it probably boils down to. Um, I think he would have probably known with his fitness issues and things like that, that maybe he would be in and out. And uh, yeah, we don't know. I mean, I think potentially we could have had contact from a few maybe lower league clubs and um We've decided to have that chat with him, but I think he'll probably be really happy that we've allowed him to kind of stay training with us and keep himself fit and get himself into a position where obviously a team like Shrewsbury have decided he's fit enough to to perform for them. And yeah, I just think he'll it'll be unbelievable at that level if they keep him fit because I mean he's our best. I've got to say he's got to be our best ever left back. He's got to be, and yeah. like you said, he's still doing a job now, no doubt about that. He's 
he was similar to, to Pew, really. Like every kind of level we stepped up, you thought, oh, will he cut it at this level? And he just always, the amount of left-backs we've had come in and he's just gone, see you later, see you later. You know, none of them have come in and been able to kind of take his position. Um, Brad Smith come in for, I think it was about six million and we thought, oh, he's going to push Chaz. And I mean, he didn't even get a look in because he's probably the definition of, definition of consistent, in my opinion. What did you think of him when he first came to Bournemouth back in, what, 2011, was it, or something? Yeah, something like I remember at the time thinking it was a, a really big signing because he was at, um, was it Leighton Orient, I think? Yeah. But he was like at that level considered like one of the best left backs. Mm. And you kind of thought, oh, we've managed to just pinch the best left back in this league, like in the lower league. So um, this would be interesting. I know he was obviously come through the top and you, Franks, and stuff like that. And you, you don't do that if you're if you're not a good player. So, um, and I think pretty, I can't ever remember thinking, oh, will he cut it? Just as soon as he come in, just thought, got a top left back here. And like I mentioned earlier, just every time you kind of maybe as a fan base for all, oh, will it, as he reached his level, do we need to upgrade? Mm. We just couldn't seem to upgrade. We tried. And um, I remember weirdly going into that first championship season, I think it was, um, and thinking maybe we got a good squad here. Maybe our only weak link is maybe left back. Mm. And Eddie probably thought as well, brought in Ian Hart and stuff like that. to try. But we just couldn't, you couldn't upgrade on him. And he fair play to him. You know, he just kept, pulling out of the bag, like we said, a bit like Puey, and them two, probably well, yeah. the best partnership I've ever seen. There was, with Puey training as well, there was kind of that little sentimental side of me thinking, oh, we might, you never know, the fans might get back in one of the first games we see. We've got Chaz and Puey down the left. Um, not to be, and I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised now, you know, like I said, we don't know what's going to happen with Puey, but if he, if he suddenly becomes available, Shrewsbury, go get him. I think he used to play at Shrewsbury, didn't he? Mm, yeah, I think that was one of his former clubs because I tell you what, them two are like you said telepathic. There was times where they wouldn't even look up. Neither of them were blessed with like soaring pace for like a a wide man, but they just it just worked. It always worked, and even in the Premier League where we tried different things, whether it be like a junior or, or Gradle at times, and um, like we said, we brought Brad Smith in. Had different players play there. We'd always revert back to Daniels and Pugh. If we needed a win, just revert back to that because you know what you're going to get. I can't remember either of them. I mean, obviously, we're specifically talking about Chaz here, and I can't remember ever thinking he was awful. Um, right. You know, he might not... I mean, full-back that, you know, he's not getting loads of goals and things like that. Um, but I never thought he had a bad game. He was just so 7 out of 10, 7 out of 10, 7 out of 10. Do you know what I mean? And reliable, reliable, consistent, and just seemed like a, a top bloke as well. And, yeah, it's going to be sad to see him go, but I think he'll... He'll get to see now, because like I said then, where he's not a goal scorer and things like that, you almost forget about some of these players, don't mm. get the limelight. And um, now we'll see all these messages from Bournemouth fans and realise how much we do all love him. And we've had some good left-backs. You know, you think of people like Warren yeah. Cummins. Um, even when I started watching about 97, 98, Jamie Vincent, I always really liked. Yeah, But they, it's not even a question for me. Daniels yeah. is our best ever left-back and no one comes close. So that says, that says it all, doesn't it? Fantastic to speak to Tom Jordan there about Charlie Daniels. Best of luck, Charlie. All the best. And I'm sure you'll be incredible. Uh, Right then. So Bristol City, that is on Wednesday. Now, if you want to watch the game... You can do so, of course, on AFCB TV. It's £10 as per usual. You get Chris Temple, you get Willow, you get multi-camera angles, you get replays. If you are a Sky Sports subscriber, though, you can hit the red button and watch it for free. But bear in mind, one single camera, you don't get replays either. So you've got to be on the ball, basically. I I did a free-for-all 
YouTube show straight after. And I thought, you know what? If I miss something, if I pop up to get a bovril or something from the kettle, and if I miss something, I can't watch it back. So I ended up paying the tenner. But if you want to uh, save some pennies, it is on Sky Sports. But for the complete premium experience, I would advise you go to acb.co.uk, hit the live tab at the top, and then it's really easy to get that stream up and running. It's going to be a hard game, though. This is Matt Holland, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So, Jeff, Bristol City at the Vitality Stadium. They were a club that has started this campaign pretty well, but you just get the sense that their early season form is starting to die off a little bit, don't you? Well, it started with four back-to-back wins, and you thought, yeah, they're going to be contenders. The last three games, though, uh, they they were held by Barnsley, and no disrespect to Barnsley, but I don't think they're going to be in contention um, this season. Um, and then they lost at home to Middlesbrough. Um, and we know what Middlesbrough are like. You know, they're they're physical and aggressive, but not especially skillful side. Um, great result for the Borough, that one. And then um, yesterday, they were very fortunate to get a 1-1 draw against Swansea. So... Yeah, two draws and a defeat. Um, I think it. I think we we ought to be confident going into this one that that this is a game we can win. Yeah, I think so too. So at the moment they're sat on seven. Uh, sorry, played seven. They've got fourteen points, and we are a point behind. And like you say, it was a penalty that they scored on 83 minutes. Swansea took the lead. Now, Swansea, I mean, yeah, they're a decent side. Obviously, they were they snuck into the playoffs at the expense of Nottingham Forest last season. And, you know, they've got a good side. And Bristol City, they are uh, sitting in the promotion spot still. I mean, them and Reading started off uh, immaculately. I mean, Reading, they don't seem to sh- be sh- showing any signs of letting up. Is that... Form going to come to a conclusion well, at any point soon? They're on 19 points. Do you know what? Um, my mind goes back to that preview show we did at the start of the season where Daniel Story confidently tipped Reading to be relegated. So can't <laughs> wait to get him back on again. Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're, play, they're playing well. I mean, it's also, it's only seven games. Look at the fixtures that some of these sides have had. Um, Reading were against uh, Wickham, weren't they? Um the other day and you know they, they've played probably some of the weaker sides I could say um, I don't know I mean I don't know that there's there's still a lot of shaking out to be done um, I think Bristol City have had a little dip and I think it's a good time for us to play them we should be confident coming off the back of that last minute equaliser in you know, two tough away games, lots of travelling, that we still got points. And, yeah, you know, actually I'm quite looking forward to it and, and there'll be a little bit more rotation, I imagine, uh, in the squad. Um, but, yeah, I think I think we should feel good. Lloyd Kelly should be up for it, shouldn't he? Yeah, Lloyd Kelly will certainly be up for it. And, um, yeah, some high-intensity challenges would be very welcome as long as his feet are on the ground. That would be brilliant. Um how do you think we should be lining up against his side? Uh, you know, three five two, or you know, three. I think three five two or three four three. It's it's going to be one of them. Yeah, um, I, I I think the way that we finish with three four three, I think King and Solanke up front again. I'd like to give that another go just to see how that pans out. 
whether Dan Juma gets a rest and David Brooks might be fit and available or Junior might start instead of him, even that could be an option. Um, midfield, maybe billing Lewis Cook, maybe there's a bit of rotation there with Gosling coming in for one of those guys. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think it, I think we've got a, we've got enough good midfield players that we can rotate that a bit, even with one of them being injured. So, yeah, let's uh, let's see how it goes. Maybe Adam Smith might come back in for Rico. He might he might have a break. I think in this game, it's going to be interesting. When you look at the fixtures we've got ahead, Bristol City on Wednesday, uh, then Derby County on mm. Saturday, and there even in November there are some matches that. Um, are winnable. Sheffield Wednesday not doing particularly great at the moment, rooted to the bottom. We've got them at Hillsborough. That uh, kickoff time has been brought forward, by the way, to 7 o'clock on Tuesday the 3rd of November. Then the following weekend, we've got Birmingham City away. And, you know, we all love a match at St Andrews. We've we've been there already this season and uh, smashed Coventry. So, you know, there are some important matches. Really, what would you like to be seeing before the next international break, which is on the weekend of 14th of November, what would your ideal points return be? Well, I suppose 12, but, you know, let's be realistic. Hey, don't take my line, Sam. 12, obviously. Oh, yeah. But um, we should be because we need to be turning these draws into wins. And we've yeah. been showing that even in the games we're poor at, we're still managing to get draws. But, you know, we can't be doing that all season. We've got to start winning games and that has to happen now. Yeah, I think I think the next four, if we can if we can go forward with a bit more confidence, finish more of those chances that we are creating, play with a bit more um, a bit more speed when we've got in behind teams, and a bit more um, clinicality to use the word. I'm going to Google that see if it exists. Not even sure. <laughs> then, I, then I think uh, we've got every right to to say, yeah, we can win these next four. Um, I think Bristol City is probably going to be the toughest one of the four that we're facing. Although, you know, having said that, Derby have got that that bloke Rooney up front who's supposed to be decent, isn't he? So, you know, and also, and also, and also Jordan Ibe scored for their uh, under twenty threes the other day with a with a fairly decent goal. And I can imagine that he would be keen to maybe get one over the cherries. Although whether he will or not, I don't know. I'm sure he'll go on the attack. He'll stop for a bit, make a cup of tea. And by that time, we'll have 11 men behind the ball. And by the way, I've Googled clinicality and it's not the Collins English Dictionary or anything, but Wiktionary (laughs) says that clinicality is the quality of being clinical. So there we go. Hopefully we see that on Wednesday night. Jeff, before we go, I'll be a fool if I didn't ask you for a score prediction. So I'm going to go 2-0 on Wednesday night to us. And can I say that I did predict Cardiff would be a 1-1 and that Harry Wilson or Lee Tomlin would score? Did I say that? I think I did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. How I mean, don't, don't look at my Super 6 performance. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I was about to ask. I got 11 points this week. Uh, I forgot to do it the previous week. So that's ugh, I'm slowly climbing up the table, but I think it's going to be a while before I'm into uh, you know the double figures. I'm still down the table and it's, um, it's not particularly great. Um, I'm going to go for 3-0. 3-0 to Bournemouth. I, um, I honestly think that uh, we are due a comprehensive win. And that is going to happen on Wednesday. Fingers crossed. Jeff, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Sam. 
So the mentality of scoring a last-minute goal at Vicarage Road, I'm sure it's uh, had its positive effect on the team. It's definitely has as fans. And a win, following up with a win, would be, well, it would be fantastic. And we haven't played the Robins for what seems like a long, long time. And um, getting one over them would be certainly great. I'm sure Lloyd Kelly, as Jeff said, will certainly be motivated. Right, that just about wraps up the show today. I want to say again a big thank you to our sponsors for the Free For All and the Fans Thought segment, Seven Squared. Do check out their website. It is at sevensqua.red. Use code BOTN at the checkout. Get 20% off all T-shirts. And that will extend until midnight on Wednesday, so after the Bristol City game. They are keeping alive the names of some of the world's favourite retro games via limited edition T-shirts. Absolutely love them. Right, at the start of the show, I asked you the question about... How many games in the last seven have we drawn with Watford? The answer is, drumroll, six. The only one we didn't was that 4-0. I wouldn't even call it a smash and grab. We dominated them. It was wet. It was rainy. Callum Wilson slipped up for his fourth goal and then uh, nearly bundled into the post. But, oh, mate, what a performance that was. But, yeah, the other six, six games have been drawn. So if you got that correct... Uh, well done to you. Right, um, we're playing Derby County. If you're listening to this and you've got a good little uh, Derby County bit of trivia for the uh, Do You Remember Next Week, can you get us uh, a message via email, sam at afcbpodcast.com or maybe via Twitter or Facebook or whatever because uh, sometimes I run out of ideas and it's clear on this show with the simplicity of this question that I sort of didn't, didn't really have anything planned. So if you want to uh, have a name check and also contribute to Do You Remember by uh, asking your own question, Derby related maybe, then uh, get in touch because we would love to have it on the show. So we'll be back next week, Monday, 7am, fingers crossed, six points in the bag. Until then, thanks for listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Raquelme's corner in towards the six-yard box. Decent delivery again from the Spaniard, but headed clear. Raquelme lost another one back in. Out comes Foster. Lord Kelly back towards goal yes. and turned in from close range. And Chris Bedford has got the equaliser. Podcast Network.